Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence, where our flesh trembles in fear of you, we stand in awe of your law and your holiness. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us courage as we look at your word together and enlighten our minds so that we understand more fully who the Lord Jesus is and understand his death and his resurrection more fully as well so that we can live lives that are fruitful and pleasing to yourself. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this morning being Easter Sunday, uh, we are taking a break from our series in the book of Colossians and looking at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And particularly, we're going to be looking at verses 36 through to about verse 49 and primarily verse 45 of Luke chapter 24. So I encourage you to have a, a Bible open there before you as we look at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and particularly how the disciples came to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the resurrection of the dead. We see that these disciples had a number of evidences by which they could believe that Jesus was raised to life. We see that they saw Jesus standing among them, and we see that in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them. So they have had a visual appearance of the Lord Jesus with them. And not just that, but they also had an auditory appearance, auditory evidence given to them about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus because in verse 36, he didn't just stand among them, but he also said to them, peace be with you. So the disciples have the evidence of sight, they have the evidence of hearing the Lord Jesus speak, and we also see that they see that Christ has flesh and bones, that he's not some sort of illusion. Uh, Jesus makes this clear to them in verse 39. Look at my hands and my feet, it is I myself, touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. They're actually able to touch and see that Jesus has been raised to life. So the evidence continues to mount. They not only see him, they not only hear him, they're able to touch him, and they're able to see marks on him that give evidence that this is really Jesus Christ. This is not an imposter, somebody else who is pretending to be the risen Christ. No, Jesus even makes that clear to them. He shows them in verse 40, his hands and his feet, which they, of course, would be very conscious of, having the marks of the crucifixion upon them. And so it proves that Jesus is the risen Jesus that they know. And not only that, the evidence continues to mount. They've seen him, they've heard him, they've touched him, they've seen marks that give uh, evidence that it is their Jesus that is before them. And then in verse uh, 41, he does something to show that he really is raised from the dead. What is that? He eats something. Verse 41, And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He is clearly not an illusion. No, he is flesh and blood that can actually eat uh, food that is given to him. And not only this, the disciples also had had warning that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They had evidence given to them in the warnings that Jesus had given them while he was with them. And he actually brings this to their attention in verse 44. After we've seen all these evidences presented to the, his disciples, in verse 44 we read that Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Jesus had spoken about his resurrection 
resurrection to them. And not only spoken about the resurrection uh, himself, but he had referred them to the scriptures that the scriptures themselves, the Old Testament, had spoken about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead one day as well. That's what he's talking about in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And if we go earlier in the chapter, we understand that they had other evidences presented to them as well by the testimony of others who had seen the risen Lord. And that is referred to in verse 36 when these disciples gather together and we read in verse 36, while they were still talking about this. Now, what is the this that is being referred to in verse 36? Well, we just go back a few verses and we read, of course, about Cleopas and his companion and how they had seen uh, the Lord Jesus as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And that is uh, what we read at the end of verse 35. uh, uh, And we read in verse 35, Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. So they had this evidence from Cleopas and his companion, and that's what they're speaking about in verse 36. But I think they're also speaking about the fact that Peter had seen the risen Lord, and that is given to us in verse 34, where the disciples respond to, uh, and and they they say that it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Simon had also seen the risen Lord by this stage, and of course, the women, which we read earlier in chapter 24 of Luke's gospel, had seen Jesus and had testified to the eleven that Jesus was alive. And so they're speaking about this And then, of course, Jesus stands among them. So the disciples had evidence after evidence, piece after piece of evidence given to them that Jesus was alive. Yes, he had died a real death, but now he was alive. But did the disciples believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, as we look at this passage together, we have to give the answer no. What is the response of the disciples to evidence after evidence that is presented to them? Well, in verse 37, we read that they were startled and frightened. And in verse 38, we read, He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? They are fearful. They have doubts rising in their mind. These are not people that you would say are hard, fast believers in the resurrection of the dead. No, these are people that are troubled, startled, frightened, and have doubts rising in their minds. And even when they start to get delighted by the fact that this could be true, what do we read in verse 41? And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? The fears are turning to joy and amazement, but it's interesting that word is very strong there in verse 41, that they did not believe. They still were incredulous, you could say, about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what brought the disciples, what brought these apostles to believe that Jesus Christ was truly raised to life? Well, the answer is given to us in verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. What brought the disciples to believe that Jesus was truly raised from the dead? It was by Jesus opening their minds to the truth that was there in the scriptures all along. See, we've got to understand something about the human mind here that is taught in this passage, but in taught again and again through the pages of Scripture. 
that our minds are locked up. If you want to consider the human mind, consider it as like a child behind a heavy iron gate. Imagine some heavy iron gate that you may have seen in the past, and that is what our minds are like. We're like children that are stuck behind that gate while our father is on the other side. I've seen some pretty heavy gates in my time, and I think the heaviest ones I've ever moved were when I was visiting uh, someone in, in Long Bay Prison here in Australia, and eventually the guards get to know you a bit if you visit often enough, and they say, oh yes, can you open the door yourself? You can open the gate, they, they ping it with electronics so that it opens, the, the lock goes, but then I have to push the gate. And that gate can be very, very heavy, and I'm always thankful that I hear the click that sounds of the, the lock opening so that I can get out, but it's nonetheless very difficult to move and that's the kind of gate you've got to imagine is what is blocking our minds we are like children behind a gate like that while our father who has gone away has then returned and is there on the other side of the gate we can see him through the gate we can see something of him and he's there with gifts that he has brought back and lots of joy we know can be had if we can just get him in on our side of the gate and we can see him standing there. We can hear him saying, it's okay, it's me. We as children can even maybe touch dad through the bars of the gate. We can touch that he is there. He is flesh and blood. He is really there. He's not an illusion on the other side of that heavy gate. We can even see marks on our father that distinguish him from other men that might come to that gate. It could be his hairy arms. It could be his head of hair or maybe his lack of hair on his head that distinguishes him from other men. And so we can see that, yes, it looks like dad that is on the other side of the gate. We may even pass food through to him on the other side of the gate and see him eating his favourite food. And for me this day, my kids would know that has something to do with Cadbury chocolate, uh, that that is my favourite food. If my children saw me eating in, on the other side of the gate and saw me eating Cadbury chocolate, they'd know, yes, that, that does distinguish our dad uh, from many others who may not like uh, chocolate. And we know that dad said he would return one day. And we even have testimony written down that he would come back, maybe a post-it note on the fridge within the house on the other side of the gate. We know that he has said he would return. And we have the testimony of others. There may be even our little sister on the other side of that gate, that heavy gate, saying, this is dad. Won't you open the gate and let him in and all the joy that he will bring to you if you will only open the gate? But the gate holds fast and does not open. Why? Because we're not able to open that gate. The Father is on the other side. We are on the other side from him. And we're not able to open it. It may be because we're ignorant, like a child who doesn't have the mental capability to open a gate. Once we were outside, and we'd just ducked outside when our children were small, and what do you know, the door slams behind you and the lock engages and suddenly you're in this difficult position where the child on the other side of the door can hear you and is kind of quite excited about the door shutting and mummy and daddy being on the other side, but you're on the other side and you're locked out and you've got to then try and explain to a child who's never actually unlocked the door before because you haven't encouraged them to work out how to unlock a door, please reach up your hand and turn the bolt and see if you can open the door. 
And it's a very difficult position to be in, to try and instruct an ignorant child as to how to open a door when so much is at stake. Or it can be that we're actually too afraid to open the gate. We may be like that heroine in a horror movie who's always trying to get the key into the lock as the, the, the attacker is coming and she just can't quite get the key in because she's trembling so much. Or it may be that we have doubts and reservations that it may not actually be dad on the other side of that gate. It might be kidnappers who are pretending to be our parents. Or we may be actually cruel and think evil thoughts that dad isn't going to be kind to us if we open that gate. Or maybe we're like an excited child that's so excited to see dad that we cannot open that gate. You think of in Acts when Peter gets out of prison and this little girl, Rhoda, and they're praying that Peter will be released from prison. And Rhoda goes to the door and Peter's actually there. An angel has let him out of prison. And he knocks on the door and she runs away without opening the door. She is so excited. And this is the case for us when it comes to our minds. We can't open that gate. So how does the gate open? It's only when dad in his love unlocks the gate. Only then can dad come in and give us the wonderful gifts that he has for us and give us the joy that we so desperately need. And that is the case with our minds when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our minds are locked behind a heavy iron gate. When we hear of the resurrection of the dead, we are like disciples that we read here in Luke chapter 24. We're startled and frightened. We're troubled and have doubts rising in our minds that this can't be true. We also may not believe because of joy and amazement. We think, wow, is this really possible? Why are we frightened and troubled and doubting when we hear of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Well, it goes against all our tradition and history. Our parents teach us that when something dies, it doesn't come back. When you tread on an ant, it's over. And when another human being passes away, they're gone. They're not coming back. And our grandparents teach us the same, and history teaches us the same again and again. You can read about all kinds of people in history, but you never see them walking through your, bedroom, uh, through your, uh, your door of your home because if they passed away, they're not coming back. And the resurrection goes not only against our tradition and our history, it goes against our reason. How is it possible? We want to know the mechanism of action behind it. How does someone come back to life? I want scientific evidence as to how this can actually happen, that cells that were dead are now alive again. And the resurrection goes against all our experience. We don't just need tradition and history to tell us that the dead don't come back. We can see it. We've known people who are very much alive and then become very much dead and stay dead. And so when we hear about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not surprising doubts rise in our mind, that we're startled and frightened, and that even the joy of the hope that this could be true, we still do not believe. So how can we ever possibly believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? If our minds are locked down, 
It's only by Christ opening our minds to understand the Scriptures. That's what we see in verse 45 with the disciples, and it's the same for every single person today who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. It's only when we read what happens in verse 45 happening to us that we can believe in the resurrection of the dead. It's only when he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures that anyone can come to faith in Jesus Christ. We can't open the gates of our minds Christ alone opens the gate by the power of his Holy Spirit. Isaiah spoke about this in the image that he gave in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, which we read before. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, and this is speaking about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, people who are captive in their minds. People who are prisoners in their minds. He is the one who has come to release them from darkness and to proclaim freedom to them. It's only by Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit that we can understand the resurrection of the dead. And we see that in a parallel account in John's Gospel, John chapter 20, verse 22. What does Jesus do to the disciples in chapter 20, 20 verse 22 of John's Gospel? It says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It is only when Jesus breathes on the disciples that they can understand this resurrection of the dead. Despite all the evidences, those ones that I listed at the beginning of the sermon, they had all those evidences. But it's only when he breathes the Holy Spirit on them and unlocks their mind that they can accept the resurrection of the dead. And what does he open their minds to? Is it to those evidences? It's very interesting what he unlocks their minds to in verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand, understand the women, understand Cleopas, understand his flesh and blood that was there before them. No, he un opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, so that they could see that the Bible really had testified to the resurrection of the dead. And we see that in verse 45, but it's interesting if you look back at Cleopas. And his companion, as they're traveling along the road, Jesus appears to them. They don't recognize him. Not really sure why, but they kept from recognizing him for some reason. And it's as he then teaches them about the scriptures that they come and have burning hearts and begin to believe that Jesus really is raised to life. It is in conjunction with the scriptures that belief comes in the resurrection of the dead as Jesus opens our minds. It is an opening of our minds to the teaching of the scriptures of the resurrection of the dead. And this is reassuring for us to know that belief in Christ's resurrection comes from Christ opening our minds to the Bible. Why is it reassuring to us? Well, today we can't see Jesus as the disciples did so many years ago. We can't hear Jesus as the disciples did so many years ago. And we can't touch Jesus as the disciples did so many years ago. Jesus has gone. He still does have a resurrection body. He is still physically present somewhere. But where is that somewhere? It's at God's right hand in heaven, not here on earth. And so how then can we possibly come to believe in the resurrection of the dead? Well, it's because Jesus opens our minds to the scriptures. Even if we had Jesus appear to us, and you're in different locations, if he walked through your door right now, 
flesh and blood, nail marks in his hands. Would you believe if you're not a believer already? Would you believe? No. No, you wouldn't. Jesus actually warned that. If people do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. If you won't listen to the scriptures, then even if Jesus walks in and allows you to touch him, hear him, see him, you still will not believe unless he opens your mind to the teaching of the scriptures about the resurrection of the dead. Why is that? Well, it's our sinful hearts, our sinful minds are so hard, we're so stiff-necked and hard-hearted that sight, sound and touch will not penetrate. We'd make excuses. If Jesus walked through your front door and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'd make excuses that, oh, you're hearing things. Oh, I'm seeing things. Oh, I'm feeling things. This is all, it's a ghost or it's an illusion or it's somebody else impersonating. It can't be true. Our sinful hearts are that hardened. Our minds are that ignorant that we will not believe until Christ opens our minds to the truth of the scriptures. And then we have what is known as irresistible grace. Grace is applied to us and we suddenly understand that the dead are raised and Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead and we will be raised one day too because it is taught in the scriptures that this is true. Now you may be saying, why would you want the gates of your mind open so you can understand the Bible and believe in the resurrection of the dead? Why would you want that? Well, it's so you can have eternal life as Jesus does. Isn't there something in everybody's heart that wants eternal life in paradise, in a heavenly home? Isn't that the desire of your heart, to cheat death, to come back to life after the grave? And wouldn't you want to live a life now without fear, without troubled and doubting minds, wouldn't you like to go through life with a peace and an assurance that everything will be okay? Because even when you pass away, you'll be raised to life and go into a heavenly home. Wouldn't all of us want to be able to sing, Lo, Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb, lovingly he greets us, scatters fear and gloom. Let the church with gladness hymns of triumph sing, for her Lord now liveth, death hath lost its sting. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering son. Endless is the victory thou, O death, hast won. So has Christ unlocked the gate to your mind so you believe in the resurrection of the dead? Or are you still behind that heavy iron gate? Your mind is still trapped behind that gate. You can see something of the resurrection of the dead. You're understanding me somewhat as to what I'm saying today. But you're startled and frightened by the idea. You're troubled and you still have doubts. It can't possibly be true. And even you may be hearing about the resurrection of the dead and something's resonating in your heart and you think, I would love to be raised one day too. I'd love this to be true. And a joy and amazement's rising in your heart, but you're thinking, it's too good to be true. 
It's not actually possible. And if it's true, it can't be possible for me. I'm too much of a sinner. I'm too horrible a person. It can't be possible that God would want me as part of his kingdom and raise me from the dead. And so death has not lost its sting for you because you still fear death and the judgment of God that is to come upon you for all your transgressions against him. If you don't understand the resurrection of the dead, if you're still troubled, startled by it, if you still have doubts rising in your mind, ask Christ to open your mind now as you read his word. You can't open your mind to the truth of the resurrection of the dead so that you will believe. I can't open your mind either. I could preach here all day. Eventually some of you would tune out. I could preach here all day, give them all I can to it, but I can't open your mind to the truth. It's only Christ that can open your mind. I am here not to open your mind, but to tell you to go to Christ and ask him in prayer to open your mind. Cry out to him now to open your mind so that you understand the resurrection of him and all those who trust in him, to breathe his spirit on you. And if he does, then you'll be amazed. You'll start to look at the scriptures and you will see that they testify to the resurrection of the dead. And you will believe in Christ's death and resurrection and then you will have eternal life if you truly trust in his death for your sins and his life for your life. Is the gate to your mind already open, though? I hope that for many of you tuning in, yes, you already believe in the resurrection of the dead, and that is because Christ has graciously opened your mind so that you would understand what the Scripture says about it, and that is wonderful to know. But could your mind be open even more so that you understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ more fully? Have we as Christians meditated upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ as much as we should and the ramifications of the fact of eternal life. If we know that there's a glorious life after death, doesn't that change our lives in every area? Doesn't that change the way you view everything about your life? The way you view creation? If you know one day it will all be destroyed and then a new heavens and a new earth will be created and you will enjoy citizenship in that new heavens and the new earth? Doesn't it change the way you view other people, whether they be Christians or non-Christians? If you know that there is life after death, doesn't that change the way you treat them and the way that you speak to them and the kinds of things you want to speak to them about? And if you know there's a resurrection from the dead, doesn't that change the way you look at your work, your employment, and the things that you want to do at work? Doesn't it change the way you look at your possessions, the things that you own? Doesn't it change your attitude towards money? And it changes your attitude in all your behaviour and even your entertainment, which I'm sure many of us are experiencing to a greater degree than ever before as we can't go out of the house. Doesn't the resurrection of the dead change what we're entertained by. This Easter, 
for those of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ along with me, we should thank Christ for doing in our minds what he did for the disciples in verse 45, for, that he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. We should thank God for that, but let's also cry out to him to push the gate wider so that our understanding is increased. There is room for an increased understanding of the scriptures and so that our lives are transformed even more so that the resurrection of the dead governs our lives in ways we've never seen before. And when we do that, isn't it going to be wonderful to see more and more of the fears and troubles and doubts in our minds fly away as we meditate upon the fact that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is not dead, but is alive. And we know it because he has shown it to us in the pages of his word. Let's come to our God now. Let's speak with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who has power over death itself. We ask that you would forgive us for our doubts and our fears. And we thank you, O God, for opening the minds of so many of us to the scripture's testimony about Christ's resurrection so that we believe and will one day be raised as he was raised. O Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand more and more how the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes our lives in every way. May we love to meditate upon the fact that he has eternal life and we have eternal life through him. And may we follow the implications wherever they lead so that we live lives that are more and more to your glory. And Lord, we also pray as we come before you that you would show mercy to anyone who hears my voice now and does not believe in the resurrection of the dead, who still has doubts rising in their minds, who still trembles and is fearful at the idea of the resurrection of the dead. Lord, we pray that you would, in your mercy, open their minds now to understand the scriptures and their testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord, is risen, and they too can be raised one day if they will trust in him. And so, Lord, we pray that you be granting faith and repentance as their understanding is opened by your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.